Hi, this is Marie. And this is Catherine. Welcome to Off the Shelf, a podcast about books, movies, TV shows, and all things library. Hey, Catherine, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Marie? I'm good. We are going to talk about nonfiction today, some of our favorite nonfiction. And um, so I don't know whether you remember when we talked about movies. Um, I had done a whole list and I had categories and Mm -hmm. Catherine had um, a list, but not she hadn't categorized them or anything. Well, this time around, (laughs) Catherine has the categories. She did the prep work and I did not. So I've been writing the script for what I was going to say, you know, from in in months in my head, I think. <laughs> so today what we're going to do is I'm going to ask a lot of questions for Catherine and she's going to talk about the books mostly. <laughs> I'm just going to have a few things to say because like I said, I didn't prepare. However, However. I did notice, Catherine, Uh-oh, what did I on do? your list it says movie podcast topic. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> So we're not talking about movies today. We're talking about nonfiction. So Catherine knows. Catherine um, broke down a couple of different topics, and I think I'm going to jump right to the last one. Go for it. It's the fun one. Uh, It's rabbit hole books. Can so talk a little bit about what rabbit hole books are. So for me, a rabbit hole book is um, you read one book and you think this is so fascinating. I have to read more. And you go actively searching and or (laughs) you read one book and you love it and it's so interesting. And then similar titles sort of float their way to you. Um, I've had both happen and it's really fun. But the one that I think of the most is um, The Tender Bar by J.R. Moringer, which was recently made into a movie, which was not bad. I was afraid to watch it, but I watched it. Um, It was they did a decent job. Um, He's a um, he's a Pulitzer Prize winner for a magazine article that he wrote about women in G's Bend, Mississippi or Alabama, who made these oh the quilts that were not intended to be art pieces, but somehow ended up being shown at like some of the the biggest museums yeah. in the United States. Um, so he wrote an article about he won a Pulitzer. I don't remember how I originally found this book, but it's a story about his childhood, um, growing up without his father who disappears early on in his life but is a radio uh, DJ host and so he spends his childhood sort of searching up and down the dial for his father's voice and his uncles own a bar which still exists and he is sort of raised in this bar so it's a lot about um, fatherhood and being that a child in that situation but it's also about the culture of the bar and the uncles and the culture of drinking and and how so it when they together. made it into a movie did they kind of because didn't they kind of condense the two uncles or they three did, yeah. into one played played by ben affleck played by ben affleck and yeah. i thought he did a really nice job Good. um yeah so they definitely condensed it and changed it up a little bit but that's that that's the gist of it so i just found that really fascinating and that led me to a book that um called drinking with men by rosie shop um which was not as similar. It was more about her adult life in bars. 
um, not so much drinking with men, but just, again, that culture of how that scenario, that, that setting brings people together, that it's about the alcohol, but it's not. Um, and then the third one that I stumbled on was a book called um, The Little Chapel on the River, A Pub, A Town, and the Search for What Matters Most, written by a woman who, um, after 9-11, decides to leave um, New York City and moves to this teeny little town in upstate New York where there is a, quote, bar, which is kind of like a shack. And the, the bar part of it is big coolers with, like, the cheapest beer in them. <laughs> and um, the local guys, it's I think it's pretty much all guys go um, and drink at this bar. And um, the author is Gwendolyn Bounds. And if I recall, she is a lesbian and is has a partner and so they sort of stick out a little bit in this very tiny town and Uh Gwendolyn goes to this bar and kind of gets to know everybody and I just after I read that one I realized oh I just did this little rabbit hole (laughs) of of this topic um and it's something that I'm always on the lookout for that's Um, cool yeah yeah so I have I do have a book on my list that falls into the rabbit hole copy okay. uh, category, but it started from a television show. Um, uh, 2005, 2007, I can't quite remember. There was a, a TV show called Big Love, mm-hmm. and it was about uh, polygamists in Utah, and um, it was really good. It had Bill Paxton and Gene Triplehorn and oh, Walter Dean good. Stanton was in. It was a great cast, mm-hmm. but it made me really interested in the FLDS I think I said that right, fundamentalist, Latter-day Saints, yes, um, and polygamy. And I, I went down the rabbit hole mm. and read, like, everything. And there's a ton. <laughs> but oh, sure. the only one that I put on the list was uh, called The Witness War Red, The 19th Wife um, Who Bought Polygamous Cult Leaders to Justice by Rebecca Musser. And, and she grew up in um, one, of, uh, the, the, um, one of the FL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> FLDS, <laughs> yeah, the FLDS uh, sort of uh, um, settlements, and at, as a teenager was married to the leaders, uh, to the leader who was eighty five years old, um, oh. and so she escapes. She manages to escape and um, testifies, uh, and and to to protect her sisters, mm-hmm. uh, basically mm. from from the same situation and. Uh, it ends up with uh, Warren Jeffs. I, I don't know if oh, you sure. being being pr- imprisoned and yeah. yeah. So it was it, it. It's a fascinating book. It's a it, it is a rabbit hole. It's mm. definitely a rabbit hole to yeah. go down. Yeah, there is a third sort of rabbit hole which I don't do often, but that is one author. Oh yeah, you, yeah. you read yep. one book and not necessarily a series, but you read one book and then you find all you know. You know what's you really funny is sometimes what I do is if if I read a book by an author that I really love, I sometimes can't bring myself to read another book by them in case oh. I'm disappointed. Oh. That definitely happens. <laughs> it does happen. Um, it probably does. more with fiction than Yeah. Than oh, absolutely more with fiction. Yeah. So your your book that you just mentioned um leads me to talk a little bit about my one of my other categories, which is um, nonfiction that gives you the ability to see or feel something that others experience that you might not experience yourself. And I realize that really is, for mm-hmm. me, the, the beauty of nonfiction and the beauty of books is that whatever you are not, you can find that experience in a book and, and appreciate it or 
feel disgusted by it or feel fascinated by it or whatever it is that you feel, but you don't have to, you know, you have no, there's no way you could experience all the things right. in the world. Right. And this is a way to see what that looks like, feels like, how it plays out on a day-to-day basis. I think that is. So um, while we're talking about that one, what, what do you think, what do you think your favorite one is? <clears throat> Catherine has one, two, three, four, five, six books that <laughs> fall into this category. So what do you think one of, you know, like one or two of your favorites? Oh, um, I would say from that list, um, one of my favorites that I recommend quite often is um, The Mascot, Unraveling the Mystery of My Jewish Father's Nazi Boyhood by Mark Curzum. I think we own it at the library. It's a biography. Um, it's Mark Curzum um, is living in, I think he's living in Australia and his father is in England or something. And he has these routine phone calls with him. And one of the phone calls, the father is being cagey and clearly wanting to talk about something and not knowing how. And so the author kind of keeps pursuing it and the father keeps, uh, 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 no. And so finally, I don't know, I don't know how long of a time goes by, but the son gets the father to talk about what he wants to talk about, which is the fact that he was born into a Jewish family. And during Mm -hmm. World War II, all of his family is killed. And he's taken in by this group of Nazi soldiers. And they treat him as a mascot. And they are kind to him, and they make him a little Nazi uniform. And he's ultimately, um, he's, he's included in these propaganda films that oh my God. the Nazi, uh, you know, yeah. the higher-ups film these propaganda films of like, look at these Nazi children. They're having this lovely time at this party. And so the author sort of has to drag this story out of his dad, and they go searching for the truth about this. And they find, I think they find some of the, they're able to find some of the films or something. And I think that the, uh, you know, clearly the father, there are pieces of that that are are traumatizing, but also there's this like, here's something about this group of people who did horrible things, yet they were kind to this one little boy. And so it was just, it was fascinating. Um, I think a lot of the books on my list, people will hear a few of the keywords and they're like, nope, nope, I'm not reading that. But I I think this is, again, a way to see this from a little different angle. It doesn't make the Nazis anything that they did right, but it is such an interesting right. look at at this from this angle. And I believe that the cover picture is the father in his little miniature Nazi uniform. Wow. Um, so it's just it's fascinating. Um, and then I would say... Um, the other book on the on this list that is a favorite of mine that I recommend to everybody, and I think <laughs> we've talked about this previously, is Tribe on Homecoming yes. and Belonging yep. by Sebastian Younger. Yeah, we've talked about Fantastic that. Fantastic audio book. Um, but it is, again, really interesting. It's uh, He is a journalist, and he spent a lot of time in war areas, and he writes about the idea of um, PTSD and the origins of PTSD and the idea that when people are captured by, you know, the the other team, <laughs> yeah, um, that they sometimes don't want to come back. Um, and he talks specifically about people um, in you know the beginnings of the United States when um, oh right, Europeans were coming yeah. in and and sort of killing off groups of you know groups of Indians, um, Native Americans. I'm sorry. Um, he talks about um, some of the Europeans being captured by those 
Native American tribes. And when they would, quote, get rescued, they wouldn't want to come back because they had found a community that worked together for a common purpose. And and so anyway, it's a very interesting look at, and very short, very interesting look at um, people serving in the military and how when they, often when they leave service of the military, they are They struggle. Yeah. They struggle. They're sort of adrift because they've lost that structure, that work towards a common purpose. um, That community. That community. So it was really interesting. And I feel like I've sort of forced it on people to read it <laughs> or listen to it because it is short. And I think you can take in this piece of, you know, that whole sort of thank you for your service idea that maybe is not always welcome to people who've served um, because it's it's yeah. just a tough right. issue. And yeah. it really depends on their experience yes. and what they, yeah. what they experience while wow. they're doing that. Yeah. Well, I kind of don't know where to go next because my, my um, yeah, I'm going to skip... I'm going to skip on to a <laughs> different topic than I thought I was going to. But right. I do want to mention quickly, because you brought up that we have, you mentioned when you started talking about the mascot that we have in mm. the library. Mm. Most of the books that we're going to talk about today are things that we have in the library. And I did um, actually double check my list on that. Yeah. The only book that we don't own is That Little Chapel on the River by Gwendolyn Bounds. Okay. It's the only one on my list that we don't own. Probably we should check and see whether that's available uh, through the downloadable through oh, Libby yeah. or Hoopla, which are yeah. downloadable options for uh, materials Definitely. that are uh, you can get through our library website. Um, so I'm going to go on to informational nonfiction mm. because the, the top of your list is a book that both of us read. Um, oh. It's called The Lost Family, yes. um, which is about, it's, well, there's, one through story but it is about genealogy and doing getting your dna tested and like the whole ancestry.com thing so i'm gonna have you take it away oh um so the full title is the lost family how dna testing is upending who we are and there is one through story which is fascinating really fascinating and you are kind of for a book that is about science, I felt like I was sort of hanging on the edge of my seat of what is going to be the resolution of this. And and the way it was <clears throat> structured, you didn't get the, the through story all mm. in one chunk. Mm. It was, you know, you, you got the teaser at the beginning and then little bits yeah. all the way through. Well, it's the idea basically is that, the, you know, the, the gist of the book is a, a, a history about how DNA testing came to be what it is today and how... Um, people in the beginning of the testing were discovering how to use that data to find family members who they couldn't figure out, well, who is the father of so-and-so and and how are these people related? And so the author really does a nice job of presenting a topic that could have been super dry, Yes, but she makes it about the people and about people finding each other. And I think that we've all, I definitely know at least one person who did this DNA testing and thought how fun it would be and really came to find something that was an unhappy family secret that had been kept for a long time that was kind of devastating. And so there is a little bit of that, but there's also the other side of people finding family members that they didn't know about and now creating this new family. So one of the reasons that I read the book is because I recently, um, well, within the last five years, so that's recent. That's recent. Um, did uh, a, a DNA test oh. um, to try to find family because my father was 
adopted, and I'm I, when I say adopted, I'm doing air quotes. Sorry, <laughs> you can't quotes. see it. Um, he was he was unofficially un un yeah unofficially adopted, raised by a family, grew up thinking his name was Billy Stutes, um, and then when he joined the service, he um, when he enlisted in the army, he found out that his social security number was actually Rodney Lejeune. And he had to change his identity. He knew he had been adopted, mm. but he didn't know really what his birth yeah. name was. And um, so I was trying to find something, mm. um, any kind of family. Um, he was he was born in Louisiana, and I have I've gotten nowhere. I've gotten nowhere. Yeah. Can't find a parent. I find there's a lot of. Um, like third and fourth cousins that are all in the same little parish in Louisiana mm-hmm. or adjacent parish. So I know there's family out there, yeah. but I have not been able to track anything. Well, the yeah. other thing that's interesting about this author is that she writes about, I think they call them uh, the, the angel network. Yes. People who took on sort of figuring out how to take all this DNA information and make it, um, I don't know, digestible, compatible for regular people. Um, and they do it on their own time. You yeah. know, it's, they just do it for free to be kind and help people make those connections. And, and then I, there's the whole thing about um, genetic genealogy, mm, and it's and really it's fascinating. Yeah, it's very fascinating and and approachable. I think that right. It was anybody could very, read this book and, yes. and enjoy it. It didn't. Yep. It, it was definitely very science based, but. But it was, yeah, it was written in a really interesting and and easily digestible way. And I think, too, to me, it's a little bit of a warning of, we we forget (laughs) that we put things out there, whatever our intent is. You know, many people did the DNA testing as a fun thing. People would buy it for each other for Christmas. And, you know, the consequences of that, it's just, I think it's it's something that's worth thinking about. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating book. Mm, Highly recommended. Highly recommended. So... Another on this list that will <laughs> people shrink away from when I bring it up, but I'm bringing it up because I just think it's very interesting, um, <clears throat> particularly with all of the, unfortunately, the, the mass shootings that we've had recently. Um, a book called Columbine by Dave Cullen, which was published probably, I don't know, 15 years ago. Um, Dave Cullen was, uh, is a journalist and was one of the first people to report on the Columbine tragedy. Mm-hmm. And actually... took a quote from the book because this to me was what made me keep reading he said to to avoid injecting myself into the story I generally refer to the press in the third person but in the great media blunders during the initial coverage of this story where nearly everyone got the central factors wrong I was among the guilty parties I hope this book contributes to setting the story right that's really interesting that's what I thought wait a minute what this is in the forward um it's a fascinating book. It is It is a little tough to read, but yeah. it was a book, it was one of the first nonfiction books that I read that was about such a tough topic, mm. and he presents it very well. I mean, he's a great writer. Um, I think he went on to write about another... Um, I don't know. I think he might have gone on to write about another uh, mass shooting, but it is definitely worth reading, even if you have to skip a couple pages. There were a few that I had to gloss over because it was upsetting, but yeah. I think, you know... Especially now. Especially now, again, it's a way to sort of look inside of that world a little bit because he really digs pretty deep and and tries to understand why, how did this happen? Why did this happen? How did it get to this stage and nobody noticed? Um, 
yeah what was going on with the the two shooters so. right anyway that's one that people are like oh no but so i have to say that Catherine reads a lot more serious nonfiction than i do <laughs> i tend to go on the lighter on the lighter end of things so i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, introduce one of my lighter books oh yes please <laughs> just because do. just because we've got a we've got a <laughs> transition away a transition from the a little things. bit um this is a a fairly recent book um I think it was published in 2019. No, 2019. And this, the paperback edition is 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 what I read, and is a is a little bit more up to date than that. Um, it's called A Libertarian Walks Into a Bear, <laughs> the Utopian Plot to Liberate a Town and Some Bears, and it's <laughs> by. It's a great book. It is a fantastic book, um, and it's about Grafton, New Hampshire. So it's oh. even more fun. Yeah. Um, it's by Matthew, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Matthew Han Goltz Hetling. Oh, yeah. Um, and he is um, a journalist in um, Vermont. I think this is his only book, but it starts the first sentence. I have to read the first sentence because it's <laughs> great. I mean, you can't put it down. During the summer of 2016, the firefighter became convinced the bear was watching him. I mean, that with a first sentence like that, it's great. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. And it's really, we have it, we have it in, it's shelved in the, in the nonfiction, like in, in New Hampshire, local New Hampshire yeah. history. But it's, it's about bear uh, habitat. It's about biology. It's got, it's, it's just all over the place. Yeah. And it's funny. It's, it's oh. laugh out loud funny. There's a section where a bear breaks into a, um, a sheep um, corral oh, and, and uh, the, the <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's just really funny. The farmer, a woman farmer has uh, a llama as sort of a guard sheep. Oh. <laughs> okay. And the, as the, the bear is trying to, to get at the, what, what does he call it? Mutton on a hoof. On the hoof. <laughs> Mutton on the hoof. As he's trying, the bear is trying to capture some, uh, or to have a snack on, on some sheep. Um, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing the too, bear, I haven't even read it. <laughs> the, the, the llama decides to chase the bear. And so let's see, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read a section. Because, um, okay, so the llama is chasing the bear... <laughs> Um, which is just a great biting, visual. biting at it, biting at its, you know, at its, biting at its butt, basically, <laughs> chasing the bear. And um, so <laughs> the bear, having forgotten about the fence, barreled into the six high-tension wires at a full sprint and caroomed off at an angle, spinning sideways, the llama still right behind. Now out of options, the desperate bear turned and launched itself at Hurricane, that's the llama's name, with deadly intent. The fight was an absolute bloodbath, so brief that Burrington, the farmer, could only watch helplessly. That's when, she would later say, I got to see everything I had read about llamas. Hurricane exploded at the bear, a spinning Category 5 blur of lashing hooves and biting teeth. The llama's blows landed mostly on the bear's throat, chest, and head. Meanwhile, the bear snarled and snapped ineffectively, seemingly, to unab seemingly unable to lay a claw on Hurricane. Bruised and bleeding, the bear mustered the last bit of strength, if not dignity. It pushed through a gap in the fence and into the willows, headed toward a huge bog with thick brush where it was unlikely to be pursued. <laughs> Hurricane, nearly unscathed, paced the fence line, snorting and braying and stomping his feet. 
great. It's just, it's a brilliant book and it's fascinating and it's a fascinating look at uh, bear management and, and taxes and New Hampshire politics and it's just a whole big mix of fun. It's really fascinating. Well, don't, don't you find, I feel like when you read nonfiction that is not, um, you know, obviously there's nonfiction that's like how to care for a baby or how to grow a garden. When you read this, you know, nonfiction that's sort of more readable, yep. there's always more than one thing that you yes. take away from yeah. it. You know, there's yeah. always yeah. just those different bits. Speaking of funny, okay, uh, John Hodgman, who is the I'm a PC guy, is a right is a okay. very very funny writer, and he we have two of his books. We may have more than more than that, but Medallion Status and Vacation Land, um, and the subtitle of Vacation Land is True Stories from Painful Beaches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he and his he and his family live maybe like Philadelphia area or okay. somewhere, but they bought a house in Maine. Uh, he talks about it in both books. Vacation Land is primarily well, yeah. about when they initially buy this house, and he never says where it is, but it's clearly small, sort of typical, stereotypical what you think of as little main town. Um, they buy a house that is the previous home of a, quote, famous writer, but he never says who the famous writer is, which I think is funny on its own. So it's just both books are, are sort of their their acclamation into this town and whether or not the people accept them. And he's really funny. He is a funny guy. Um, those are definitely worth looking for, um, particularly because it's, you know, it's kind of in our neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, and then another one, similar theme, because I am a little bit obsessed with summer camp, anyone who <laughs> knows me. <laughs> I never went as a kid. I always wanted to go. So I am obsessed with it. Um, we have a great book called Cabin Pressure, One Man's Desperate Attempt to Recapture His Youth as a Camp Counselor. That <laughs> is just, oh, he, this is a, a, a grown up who is for whatever reason, maybe like between an internship and a job or something, and also engaged and getting ready to get married. And he ends up with this summer off, and he decides to go back to the camper he went as a child, camper, and also served as a camp counselor. Oh. And so he writes about, I mean, it's again, it's like he's writing about the culture of camps and summer camp, sleepaway camp, but he's also talking about what does it mean to leave the world of your childhood behind and and step into adult life. And he's stepping into two big things, getting married and having like a, a real job. Um, but it's really, really funny. And the best part is he talks about um, how you know you've made it at camp when you get your nickname. <laughs> you get your nickname that's like Stinky or Green Bean or I don't know, like he has this whole chapter about getting, getting the giving and the getting of the nicknames. And it really honestly just makes you want to pack a nasty old trunk full of like Shirts and t-shirts, you know, shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops and go find a camp. And, and One of the things that I do want to just talk about, because mm. when, when Catherine and I, a couple of days ago, were talking about what, how we were going to do this podcast and what we had on our lists, um, that when she was talking about cabin pressure, it reminded me of a book that I had read and I was all excited and I wrote it down and it's out of print and we don't have it any longer. Um, it is available uh, in paperback or as a, a downloadable. Well, it's available as a Kindle. I didn't look to see whether it was available um, as a downloadable. But I'm just going to mention it because mm. it is, it's funny and it's a similar uh, topic. It's called, um, oh shoot, where, where is it? Oh, there it is. It's called Man of War, 
my adventures in the world of historical reenactment. And it's oh. about a guy who embeds with a whole bunch this. of different reenacting groups. And he's a journalist and he's out of shape and they're like <laughs> marching. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's funny. He's very funny. Yeah. But it's a similar kind of, what am I doing here? Kind of, <laughs> why did I think this was a good idea? And, it's, it, and, and, and you learn a little history along yeah. the way. So it's, that's, that, that is one that I recommend. Sadly, the library does oh. not have it. But. Look for it. See yeah. if you can find it. And it was good. You, we talked about this because Marie was. You were trying to think of the title, and yeah. I always yell out "Confederates in the Attic," yes. which is a great book um, by an author who ended up writing some fiction. I think sadly he just he died recently. Oh, okay. Anthony Horowitz. Oh yes, um, yeah, great writer. Oh, I didn't realize that was by Anthony Horowitz. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Wait a minute. No, is it? Hor- He's Horowitz. There's also Horowitz. Oh, okay. Both have written, I think both have written fiction. I okay. know. Well, Very confusing. Yeah, yeah. One of them died recently, which is sad. <laughs> but anyway, Confederates in the Attic, also a good title. But we talked about... <laughs> Sorry, Catherine. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> All right, I've got to contain myself here. Okay. Contain yourself. <laughs> um, books going out of print. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people think that things live forever, and... Not necessarily. Not Sometimes necessarily. things do yeah. go out of print, and that's, you know. It's sad. It's, it's sad, and it then is. you have to track it down on eBay for $785 or <laughs> whatever. Or, or sadly, alternately, when, when one of your favorite books is, is on eBay for like 99 cents. Oh, <laughs> that, that's really that's kind of. That's even sadder. That's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> that has definitely been the benefit of um, e-books. Yes. Is that you can, I, I will always take a look at both of our downloadable options, Hoopla and Libby. Yep. Um, when I'm looking for something that we don't own, um, particularly if it's not brand new and I right. don't want to, you know, don't want to request it. Just yeah. for, you know, that would Just for that. Yeah. yeah. But that's a, it's a great way to, to get them. One of the things that I think I read more than, well, I don't know, I shouldn't say that, but I think I tend to read more history. Oh, I would agree. Then you do, um, because I have when I'm you know looking over my list, I've got, I've got um, the President's Club, which is about um, the 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 fact that there are so few presidents Mm. living at any specific time that it it forms uh, a a kind of fraternity, Mm. I guess you could call it, Um, and it started with uh, Eisenhower. with Truman and, and Hoover when Eisenhower was was inaugurated, and it's kind of kept, and and how traditionally since then presidents, the current president has reached back or reached out to previous presidents, regardless of party, um, because they're the only other people who have the experience of of sitting in the Oval Office mm-hmm. and and knowing the the, the strain of the job. Um, so that was that was a fascinating one. I yeah. would say I definitely do not read about history very often, although occasionally. Um, and I should have written this one down. Um, all right, it'll take me a minute to think about okay. it. Uh, they made a movie out of it about DNA, um, the HeLa cells. Uh, shoot. Oh well, I'll think of it. Okay. Uh, fascinating story about a woman in the fifties whose um, DNA was harvested oh, without her knowledge. Right, um, yes. Henrietta Lacks, The yes. Something Life of Henrietta Lacks, yes. which yeah. is really something. I mean, that is 
somewhat historical, but right. I probably wouldn't read about presidents. That's more science. No offense to them. It's more science. <laughs> that's science. That's not, that's not yeah. history. Yeah, that's not history. <laughs> I mean, medical history. It's medical but that, history. It is, that is a fascinating book. And yeah. sad that this was done without her knowledge. Right. And it ended up, they're still using those cells in, um, I think it's breast cancer research. Oh, okay. or a particular type of, of cancer. They used those cells and created more cells so that they could learn about this particular type of wow. cancer. Fascinating. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how we're doing on time, um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for one more that Do I it. that that I have read that doesn't really fit. I don't know. <laughs> I tend to read books that. I tend to read nonfiction that doesn't fit into a mm. single category, easily, or that looks at um, a topic from a different angle. Um, and and this one's called um, the Art of the Con. The most notorious fakes, frauds, and forgeries in the art world, and yeah. it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Oh, it it talks like... about um, it talks about um, modern forgeries. It talks about um, forgeries or that happened at the time of the famous author. Mm-hmm. So you know somebody uh, contemporaneously painting things and passing them off as this famous person. It talks about it. It's just fascinating. It's that there's big business in it. Um, sometimes cool. it's 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 a really really interesting topic. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's, okay, good one, that's, good recommendation. That's a good one. Yeah. My last pitch I'm going to give, just because you know we are librarians, um, it's basically a book about reading. Um, it's a book that I um, checked out of the library to use for a paper that I was writing for a class I was taking, and I ended up reading the whole thing. It was just so engaging and interesting. It's called The Enchanted Hour. The Miraculous Power of Reading Aloud in the Distracted Age by Megan Cox Gurdon. And she talks about how we read to children when they're small, and then there's sort of a point, maybe like middle school, where we stop reading out loud. And so she used a lot of, actually, there were, you know, statistics and facts and figures about um, continuing to read aloud, even to adults, that how much that provides to both the reader and the listener well it's kind of like we talked I think I think we talked in a pod I think it was in one of the podcasts where we talked about the difference between reading and listening Mm. to a book Mm. um, because I find I read very quickly and I find that I sometimes miss details Mm. um, if and I will often if if a book is good enough I will often listen to the audiobook after I've read the book yeah um, because and I always find I always find little things, little something, little something. So reading aloud would be the same way. You have to pace it the same yeah. way. Yeah. It, it was just a really interesting book. And what made me think of that book was um, that my son and I watched Moonrise Kingdom, which is a Wes Anderson movie about summer camp. Big surprise. <laughs> um, <laughs> about these two kids who sort of both run away to, you know, to sort of be together I don't know the, the intention is never really given because it's a Wes Anderson movie but there's this great scene of the the young girl the the main character who's the young girl has packed her suitcase to go on this road trip and she or whatever this uh-huh. foot trip because they are just walking on this island um, she brings her record player and some records and she also brings books and they are made up books but somebody like designed all of the covers and at one point they're <laughs> sitting on the beach after they've been swimming and she's reading out loud to him and I thought mm-hmm. It's a very sweet scene, but it's also 
she does a nice job of reading out loud. I'm sure, you know, she's an actress, so she knows right. what she's doing. But right. I thought, oh, that makes me think about that book because it is wonderful as an adult to listen. And I think that's a little bit of an appeal of an audiobook too, that if you find that reader who appeals to you, that you can kind of slip back into that world of, of being a listener. Before my boys went to college, there was, and I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it, uh, a Christmas book, a children's Christmas book, um, and I can't remember the name of it, British, very, very, very funny, and we would read it aloud, mm-hmm. except we would have to pass it around the room because we'd get <laughs> laughing so hard that we wouldn't be able to keep reading, and so somebody else would have to take it up and it would oh. go around the room. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> it was really fun. I'll have to I'll have to yeah. dig that back out this Christmas and see if we yeah. can if we can do it again. Um, I know we're we're getting mm. running long, so I'm going to wrap it up with one last recommendation, Ooh. and it's not a book. Oh, it's a podcast. Oh, um, I figured that since we're on we're doing a podcast, I'm going to make a recommendation <laughs> for a fantastic nonfiction pa- podcast. Oh. It's called Revolutions by Mike Duncan. If you're at all okay. interested in history, he focuses on revolutions. He starts with the English Revolution or the oh. English Civil War, the American Revolution, the Haitian Revolution, French, Mexican, and the current one, and it's almost over, it might be over by now, is the Russian Revolution. I have not lis- listened to all of them, but the English, American, and French are amazing. Oh. Really, really, really good. I okay. started... I started the Haitian, but I didn't get it finished. So um, I got distracted and forgot about it until today. So maybe I'll pick it back up. So I think Excellent. we've covered a lot of nonfiction. I know. <laughs> I know. And we've still got Kat, Catherine's list is way longer. Oh, we didn't man. even we didn't was, even touch a fraction. I know. It was really hard to winnow it down. I think that's why I did the categories because right. I thought we don't have, you know, five hours for me to talk about <laughs> single every single one. <laughs> people might not off at that point. they might they might yep all right so Thanks, oh, shoot i didn't get to i didn't get to talk about oh do you need to talk about one more i need to talk about squeeze one more. squeeze it in squeeze it in um bruce springsteen's autobiography oh. um born to run it, i'm a huge fan if you love music he's you hear his voice. He writes prose the way he writes his lyrics. Mm. They're fabulous. It's a fabulous book. It's a it's a thick book, it is. Um, and he's unflinching in looking at himself and his flaws. Mm. And 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 I appreciate that in an autobiography. Mm. So highly recommend it. Excellent. All and right. now we've now we've really now got we really to sign have off. to go. All, All right. right. Thanks, Murray. Thanks. 